You're listening to an audio resource from Vineyard Church of the Rockies in Fort Collins, Colorado. We are joining God's mission, transforming all things, and you're invited. To learn more about us and how you can connect, please visit votr.church. Last week, we started a new series in the book of Ephesians titled Promises, where we are specifically looking at the verses and the promises and the blessings that God has given to us specifically in this book of Ephesians. Today, I'm going to continue that series by looking at a powerful prayer of promise that's found in Ephesians chapter 1, very close to where we left off last week. You know, God has promised to hear your prayers. And even more, when you pray according to his will and you pray with a centeredness of Christ, he promises to move on behalf of your prayers. If you think about the lyric that we just got done singing, it's, it's from 2 Corinthians 1.20 that clearly says, all of God's promises are answered with a resounding yes in Christ Jesus. A yes and an amen in Christ Jesus. And so then as Christians, we can come confidently Before God, when we're praying according to his will, when we're praying according to his word, knowing that he will hear our prayers. But truthfully, I think many of us, we don't always know how to pray according to God's will. We struggle to know if we're praying uh, our own thoughts and desires or if we're praying God's thoughts and desires. And we've all been influenced by all kinds of different things in our prayer life, right? Like we've been influenced by the example that we've seen, the, the prayers that maybe we heard growing up then, then became our prayers, or we've been influenced by what we've seen or what we've read or what we've heard. We've been influenced by our own struggles and our own pain. Of course, those things influence our prayer life as well. Even Hollywood has tried to influence and explain and understand this thing that we as Christians called prayer. The intersection of film and prayer would be a super interesting like film crit study. But my favorites where film and prayer intersect is always in the comedies. Like I just I love when they try to give a rendition of what our prayer lives are like. One of my all-time favorites is Christmas Vacation. Where Clark asks Aunt Bethany to say grace, and she has no idea what's going on, she finally just recites the Pledge of Allegiance, (laughs) right? And at one point, I think Cousin Eddie, like, stands hand over heart. He doesn't know what to do either. Like, it's, of course, the famous Ricky Bobby prayer where he prays to the little six-pound, eight-ounce baby Jesus in the gold fleece diaper, And he simultaneously thanks God for all of his Powerade sponsors and the beautiful bounties that God has has given to him, right? Or or, uh, Ben Stiller's rendition in Meet the Fockers. I don't know if you've ever seen that. I said that one like five times before I came up here. (laughs) Just to make sure I got it right. But in this this film, he's trying to impress his in-laws. He's a, he's a Jewish man visiting uh, Christian, his Christian in-laws, soon-to-be in-laws, and so they ask him to pray. He doesn't know what to do, so he just starts rambling, and it turns into a rhyme about God loving him so dearly and making it so clearly day by day by day by day. Amen. And then he's done, and they eat. It was the most awkward scene. That film was full of awkward scenes. And by the way, just in case you're wondering, before you email me, no, I'm not like 
I'm not sponsoring their theology in these films. I'm not vouching for the theology that just the, just the humor, that's it, just the humor. I thought it was funny. Um, but I love how film has tried to do that. But it, when you take that and you take the landscape of then how the scripture encourages you to pray, I mean, they couldn't be more opposite. They couldn't be more opposite, but between the prayers that you read in Scripture and the prayers that you hear in film, what we're looking at today is a prayer from Ephesians 1 that has amazing language, incredible theology. The promises for us in this prayer are life-changing, truly. And because it's God's Word, we know that it's God's will, and so when we pray prayers like we're going to read today, we know that God hears those prayers and begins to move on behalf of of our voice. What I want to do is I want to start by reading this entire prayer on the front end. I'm going to be, like I said, picking up where I left off last week, Ephesians 1, verses 15 to 20. I'm going to read it all um, on the front end, and then we're going to kind of work our way through it a little bit the rest of the morning. Ephesians 1, verse, verse 15, excuse me. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance." I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. And Paul kind of continues after this prayer to explain both what we call the supremacy and the authority of Christ, that Jesus is at the center of everything that we're talking about. And I mentioned last week as we opened this series that we have access to every spiritual blessing, but, because, but, it, but it happens because of our relationship with Jesus, what he's done on the cross and his death and resurrection. And this prayer is much of the same. Paul is praying for wisdom and insight, knowledge and power of God, hope and authority that we might find in Christ. It's amazing how much he can pack into six small verses, but it's all because of our connection with Jesus. It's a big prayer with all kinds of nuance. And if you just take a step back and you begin to kind of look at the prayer from a macro version, then you can see that Paul, although he's using lots of different phrases, although he's praying for what seems like lots of different things, you can boil it down to three main categories. And the clues are the phrase, I pray. He says that before each distinct kind of phrase and idea. He says, I pray, or or, I pray for you constantly, or I pray that. I also pray that. I mean, he just keeps going on and on. And the first thing that you can pull from the text is that Paul prays for us to have a knowledge of God. Knowledge of God. This is in God's will. This is in God's heart for you and for me to grow in our knowledge of God. If you look at verse 16 and 17 with me once more, this is what it says. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in the knowledge, 
in your knowledge of God. And the scripture starts by saying, I pray to God that he might give you spiritual wisdom and insight. Some translations, your translation might say wisdom and revelation, and I, and I love that phrase. But here's the key. Those things are being prayed for so that, it says in verse 17, you might grow in your knowledge of God. So that you might grow in your knowledge of God. And you look at the whole phrase, of course, we all want wisdom. We all want revelation, right? Special wisdom and revelation from God makes us feel alive in Christ. It's the times when worship feels vibrant or we open the word of God and it just seems like we're learning new things every time we turn a page. We all want those things. But the scripture is actually saying that that's not the end goal. We are after those things. We want those things. We all want wisdom and revelation, but it's so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. It's not just revelation so that we feel gifted or special. It's not just wisdom so that we feel smart and always have the right answer. I want all of those things. But ultimately, it's so that we might grow in our knowledge of God. It's the knowledge of God, not just special gifting that leads to spiritual maturity. It's the knowledge of God, not just special gifting. But the important part to think about then is, is what knowledge really means. What is Paul talking about when he talks about the knowledge of God? Because he's not just talking about your ability to memorize facts and figures about God. It's not a prayer about knowing more abstract ideas or all the nuanced meanings of various words that you might find in the New Testament or the Greek language, right? That is kind of an abstract, kind of a distanced understanding of knowledge where you can learn things about God, but you keep him at an arm's length and you observe him and you can run down the list of everything that you've learned. That's not what Paul's praying about. Paul is praying about something much more intimate than that a personal and close, almost an experiential type of relationship. That's what Paul is praying for us. That like a best friend, you would, you would know what, what he or she is thinking before they even say it. Or like a spouse, you'd be able to answer their, their questions before they even have a chance because you know what they're thinking. Paul's much more talking about this kind of knowledge, that you'd be that close to God that you would know his inner thoughts, that you would know these, these different desires that God has for the world, for you and for me. And this is a promise. This is a promise for us that we might grow in our knowledge of God, that because of Jesus Christ, you would grow in wisdom and revelation, yes, but, but that you would grow in them so that your knowledge of God could increase. And of course, I think we would all read that and say, God, I want that. As a follower of Christ, I, I want that. I want to know you and experience you. I want to know you like a best friend. I want to know you closer than my spouse. I want your words to be my words. I want your thoughts to be my thoughts. I want to grow in my knowledge of God. This is the first prayer and promise that you read in this text. The second I pray phrase comes just a, a verse later, and it's a promise to grow in your hope in Christ your hope in Christ. First, knowledge of God, now hope in Christ. And verse 18 doesn't explicitly say the words hope in Christ, but you have to remember the entire context of chapter one is all about the authority and the centrality of Jesus Christ. 
And so that's why you can infer that he's talking about hope specifically in Christ, because the entire chapter is about the supremacy of Jesus. If you look at verse 18, it reads this way, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called. This is the prayer that God wants to answer for you. Prayer and promise for you is that your heart would be flooded with light. And when that happens, right, we know from the Gospel of John that light penetrates the darkness, like drives out the darkness, that in your heart there will be no darkness if God penetrates it with light, but it's so you can have hope in Christ, an unwavering hope, an unshakable hope, a hope that doesn't move with the markets up and down, a hope that doesn't change depending on on what people think about you or how they talk about you behind your back, a hope that doesn't ride the waves of successes in life or failures in life, but a hope that stands firm in the midst of all of those things because it's not rooted even in your behavior or your ability to, to act well and get rid of sin, but it's a hope that's founded in the person of Jesus and Jesus alone. See, as Christians, our hope is never placed in our ability to to act rightly or eliminate sin from our life, but our hope is always in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's where we find our confident hope. Paul is praying that your heart will be flooded with light that it would be overwhelming, that it would be unmistakable light from him so that your hope would grow more and more in Christ. The third, I pray, comes from verse 19, and it's for the power of the Spirit. Paul says, I pray that you would grow in your knowledge of God. I I pray that you would be flooded with light so you can have hope in Christ. I pray that you would also be filled with the power of God, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, that works for those who believe in him. Look at verse 19 and 20 specifically. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. And this is, this is an incredible promise, that you might understand the power of the Spirit, the same power that raised Christ from the dead, that you personally would understand it, that you would know it, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that you would have an experience with it, an encounter with the same power that raised Christ from the dead. And of course, in my mind, when I, when I read scriptures like this, and maybe this happens for you too, I, I read something about the power of the Spirit, and I, and I instantly go to things like miracles, or healing, or deliverances from, from dark spirits. And th- these are things that, that I believe God still does today. I, I, I've experienced in my life, and I cry out for more of those experiences. I pray for more of those experiences. But we also need to remember that it takes the power of God to do all kinds of other things too. It takes the power of God to do things like forgive. It takes the power of God to to do things like work towards reconciliation. It takes the power of God to do things like not gossip or control your tongue or or grow in perseverance and self-control. It takes the power of God to do all of these things. 
And it has become a prayer for myself, a, pray that, a prayer that I pray over myself all the time. God, help me to know the incredible greatness of your power for those who believe in you. Help me to know that because I don't want to do this on my own. I don't want to walk this life on my own. I've tried that. For 19 years of my life, I tried to walk it on my own, and it doesn't work. But if I can line my life up with the loving grace the knowledge of God, the hope in Christ, and the power of the Spirit. My life has been transformed. It's transforming me. It's transforming the world around me. Ephesians chapter 1 is it's an amazing chapter in the New Testament. And between last week and this week, we've already looked at all kinds of different promises. I mean, you think about all the promises that we've covered, every spiritual blessing last week. And we listed all the ways that that can show up in your life. The fact that you get chosen and adopted and forgiven and placed in God's family. And now this week, that you might grow in your knowledge of God, your hope in Christ, and understand the power of the Spirit. These are promises for you and for me. This is incredible. If you look at the promises once more, just on the slide behind me, these are the three things Paul prays for. You might grow in the knowledge of God, in your hope in Christ, in your understanding the power of of the Spirit. I want all these things to be true about me. I want to grow in all these areas. I want all these things to be true about you. I want all these things to be true about our church. I'm desperate to grow in them, actually. I'm desperate for our church to grow in them. And since I'm so desperate to see growth in these areas, I want to do something incredibly practical this morning. I want, to get, I, want to, I want to show you how I would take this verse and apply it to my life and how I would invite you to then apply it to your life if I can be so direct and so bold to say that the practical tool that I'm about to talk about, it would be my hope and my desire that you would just implement it into your life. It's a spiritual discipline that has transformed me maybe more than anything else. Definitely top two or three, if not number one, but, but definitely one of my top spiritual disciplines that has transformed me more than anything else, and it's to pray the scriptures, to pray the scriptures, to just take the, the prayers that you find in this Bible and just plagiarize them, and just, just totally play, make them your own, to memorize them and to commit them to your mind and your heart and your life and to pray them over yourself. And to pray them over your family and to pray them over your spouse, your kids, your friends, even unbelievers that are around you because they are the best prayers that you could possibly pray. They're the most effective prayers you could ever pray. They have the most impact and influence because they're the very word of God. So you know that it's God's will. You can stand firm that you are praying God's will when you plagiarize these prayers and make them your own. And if you can incorporate that in your prayer life time and time again. I am telling you, they will transform you from the inside out. Personal opinion, you don't have to go with the King James Version, <clears throat> especially if you're praying for others who have never heard that before. But if that's the version you love, go for it. But just grab the scriptures. Pray the scriptures over your life because I can promise you they've completely transformed me and I believe they'll do the same for you, it has led to so much spiritual maturity in my life. 
for one, it gets me reading the Bible because I have to discover the prayers of the Bible. So that's a win. But two, it gets me uh, memorizing the Bible and thinking about the Bible and then praying the Bible back out loud to God. It's just a win all the way around. And so when I find scriptures where it says, like Paul in 1 Corinthians 5, 15 to 20, I pray, or I also pray, or I pray so that, I slow down and I take note of those things. And all of a sudden, I'm not reading the Bible as fast as I can so that I can like mark it as a checkbox. I'm not, I'm not reading to finish. I'm reading to change. And I read slowly. And I let these words saturate my mind and my heart, and then all of a sudden, it just becomes a natural part of my prayer language. So I want to encourage you to plagiarize the prayers, because praying the scripture will lead to spiritual maturity. When I first became a Christian, this was like my only hope in prayer. This is all that I knew how to do. This, nobody like, taught me how to pray. Maybe, maybe someone in your life put their arm around you and you had that great spiritual mentor, mentor who, was, who was like, hey, this is how you pray. You, you want to pray according to God's will, not according to your own selfish ambition, but you want to pray according to God's words and God's ways. And, and they taught you how to pray. Man, that's awesome if that's your story. But for me, I had nobody teaching me that. I was a hopeless, uh, prayerful person. I, I had no idea what to do. And so I, I did what I did best at that time in my life. I cheated and I stole from God, from his words, and I made his prayers my prayers. Because up to this point, I, I could have summarized my entire prayer life with two words, naive and boring. Naive and boring. Two chuckles in the room, two people who know what I'm talking about. I can't be the only one who's like fallen asleep praying or gotten distracted praying or is like, gosh, God, you really want me to do this? I'm, I'm, I'm kind of bored right now. I don't know if you've ever, it's like shock and awe right now. Your pastor occasionally gets bored praying. I, I understand. But when I first started praying, I had no idea what to do. I had no idea what to say. And so I had this weird list of like praying for all the things that I wanted in my life that I thought would be cool if they got added to my life. And then at the same time, I just confessed my sin all of the time. And so my prayers were like, God, give me. God, forgive me. God, give to me. God, forgive me. And it was like this ongoing repetition Right? But God has forgiven you. You confess. That's important. He's forgiven you. He's washed you as white as snow. You don't have to keep reminding him of all the ways that you've made mistakes. But that was what I knew how to do. I knew how to pray for things that I wanted, and I knew how to apologize and ask for forgiveness. And I don't think God was upset about that. I think in a, in a very true sense, in a, in a very humble sense. I was just ignorant to prayer. I was just naive to prayer. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say. You have to remember most of my life up until that point, I was a, a prayerless party goer, a pagan, looking for spiritual truth in all kinds of different directions except Jesus Christ. And then everything changed for me. Now all of a sudden I'm forgiven, I'm chosen, I'm adopted into God's family, and now the creator of the universe will hear my prayers. He wants to talk with me. He wants me to talk to him. What am I supposed to say? How am I supposed to engage with a God that's so big and so powerful but wants to be so close and so near? So I prayed naive prayers, and then I got bored. But something changed when I learned that I could plagiarize the prayers of the Bible. 
that I could just take these words and adopt them into my own life. And, and I could do it time and time again. Pray for myself from the Bible. Pray for Natalie from the Bible. Pray for my kids from the Bible. And, and it might seem a little religious to you. It might seem a little ritualistic to do that over and over and over again. Especially if you came from a faith background that like wants you to repeat things over and over again. But, but listen to me. There's a lot of different reasons why you repeat things, right? And it doesn't all have to be ritual. Sometimes you repeat things because they're important to you. And these prayers became very important to me. And so I would pray them time and time again. And so this is the practical tool that I want to encourage you to try, to pray the scriptures. But I don't want to just tell you about it. I actually want to show you how I do it. And I know this is like painstakingly practical for some of you this morning, but I can't ask you to do it. I can't invite you to do it and not also show you how I do it. Because again, it's been one of the most transformational things that I've ever done. So I want to look kind of at Ephesians 15 through 20, and I want to show you how I approach the scriptures and how I pray these over myself. And I'd be lying to you if I told you this didn't feel a little vulnerable because you're like getting a window into my own prayer life right now. But this is how I would approach it. This is how I would do it. I come across a passage like this, maybe Ephesians 15, 1, 15 to 20. And I see that phrase, I pray, I just slow down. It says, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly. So then I would say, God, my glorious Father, Lord of, my Jesus, of Jesus Christ, would you give me spiritual wisdom and insight? Would you give me spiritual wisdom and revelation so that I might grow in my knowledge of God? And I'm, I'm doing this quicker, but I, I would maybe sit with this text for maybe 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes, and I would just slow down and I would just pray that, God, give me the knowledge of God. I don't want to just know things about you, but Lord, help me know you deeply and closely. Lord, I pray that you would flood my heart with light so that I can understand the confident hope that you have given to those you have called. God, thank you that you've called me. Thank you that you've adopted me into your family. Now flood my heart with light so that my hope can increase, my hope in you can increase. I also pray that you will help me to understand the incredible greatness of God's power. God, I need to know this power. I've tried life on my own. Even as I followed you, it feels like sometimes I lean into you and sometimes I lean away. God, help me to understand the power that you have for me. The same power that raised Christ from the dead, would that be centered in my heart and would it well up time and time again? I would pray this over myself. And then I would start all over again and I would pray it over Natalie. And then I'll start all over again and I'll pray it over my kids. And then I'll pray it over you in this church. And you do that four or five times. And it takes maybe 10 or 15 minutes. But man, I'm telling you, you're standing on the living word of God. All of his promises are yes and amen to a prayer like that. And I might not feel it day one. I might not even feel it week one. But I would be willing to pray that prayer for every day of my life for years if it meant that fractionally I would be transformed into that. And I would pray that prayer every day for years if it meant my wife and my kids and this church grew in their knowledge of God and their hope in Christ and their understanding of the power of the Spirit. 
I will commit to that prayer. My encouragement to you is to take that spiritual discipline, incorporate it in your life. And as you read scripture, you'll find more prayers. And try it with those. And the next time someone says, can you pray for me? You won't have to wonder what to say because it'll just be in here and it'll just be in here. And it will just come out as your own, your own prayer language. These are the promises that God has for you and for me. What I want to do now is I want to invite the band up. And we're going to kind of transition into what we call our time of reflection. We always do this at the vineyard after every message. We create an opportunity for you to just sit quietly and reflect on everything that you've just heard. We, we do this for a number of reasons, but primarily we do it because we want to create an opportunity for God to speak to you personally. And we know that if we just rush to whatever is next, that you might miss what God has for you. But I want to enter into this time of reflection just a little bit differently. I want to, we're still going to give you the few minutes to sit quietly, but I want to start our time of reflection by praying this prayer over you in this room. And as I pray this prayer, I would just encourage you, however you might want to sit in a posture of receiving from God, to just go ahead and take that posture. Some of us, you know, we sit and we close our eyes so that we can focus on God. Some of us actually open our hands, almost like God wants to give you a gift. That's fine if that's you. But I want to pray this prayer over you, and then we're going to, the band's just going to quietly play, and I want to invite you to sit in God's presence for a moment. And ask for these same prayers. So God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, would you give to us right now spiritual wisdom and revelation so that we might know you more, so that we could grow in our knowledge of God. Lord, I pray for us all that our hearts would be flooded with light so that we can grow in our hope, in our confident hope. And God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would help us to understand the greatness of power that you have for those who belong to you because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. Help us to understand that this is the same power that raised Christ from the dead. In Jesus' name. Amen.